0: G'day there, guys, and welcome back to another episode of r Malicious Compliance, the subreddit where we are told to do something and we follow every single step of those instructions, no matter the consequence, no matter what happens. Now, if you guys love these videos, if you haven't already, I would love you to subscribe. And if you have, sit back, relax, and enjoy the video. Gather round as I tell you the story of the time that I got fired at the worst place I have ever worked. From day one, it was a nightmare. There was zero onboarding or training. I was simply given the login info for a couple of different websites and told to get to work. This company planned large conferences and I was in charge of speaker coordination. I was the only person in this role. The information solely resided with me. Not a big deal, I say to myself. I'm good at thinking on my feet. I'll just ask questions when I need clarification on something. That turned out to be impossible. My manager's first language wasn't English. I'm all for learning new languages. I think it's a great skill to have and it takes a lot of work and being able to speak multiple languages is impressive. The problem was that her English was so poor that it was often very hard to understand what she was trying to say. I once asked if she had time to hop on a call and explain something to me and she responded with, no OP. Self skills is a must, I am bird without head. It took me a few days to figure out what she was trying to say, which was that things were hectic, she was running around like a chicken with its head cut off and she needed me to be self-sufficient. Regardless, I did my best in the position. Small mistakes happened here and there, but overall the speakers were very happy and felt well supported. I struggled on the communication with my manager, but I thought the company was happy with my work. Until four months in when I was randomly pulled into a meeting with my manager, HR, and legal. Effective immediately, I was fired. I asked why I was being fired and why was this the first I had heard of any problems? Why wasn't there a write-up or a verbal warning? My manager said it was because the 10 minutes I ran the analytics it takes me to respond to an email was too slow. That was a bullcrap reason and we all knew it. If you don't like me personally... Fine, but don't try and make it seem like I was a bad employee. To be honest, I was furious. We do the exit interview with HR, and then she asks me to send over any documents I had. We worked on personal computers remotely, and describe where I was at in regards to our next event and our speakers. NDAs are really common in this field, I've signed one at every job I've ever worked, but this employer's NDA had a clause in it that worked to my advantage. I said, As per my NDA, I am not to discuss intimate details here or share documents relating to this position with any employer, past or future. Since this firing was effective immediately, you are now a former employer and I am bound by my NDA. HR hemmed and tawed a little bit, telling me that of course I could speak to them about it. This was about their event. I pulled out my copy of the NDA, always save contracts by the way, and pointed out the exact clause and said that it clearly stated that if I violated this NDA, I would be sued. So no, I couldn't talk to them about the position. HR turned to Legal, and Legal pointed out that I was technically correct. They were a former employer, and I was bound by my NDA. They fired me 17 days before the event, they didn't have time to start over from scratch. I still keep in contact with some of my co-workers, and apparently the event was a crap show, and Manager nearly lost her job because of it. Over half of the speakers pulled out once communication broke down. All because I take too long to respond to emails. Disappointing the manager didn't lose her job because of that one, in all honesty. Also, amazing that the legal team actually backed OP up in this instance and didn't just try and screw OP over for the benefit of that stupid company. All in all, amazingly well done, OP, and good riddance to bad rubbish. This story took place back in the mid-90s. My wife and I were newly married, and our daughter was still an infant. My wife worked in healthcare as a home care nurse, traveling from house to house, looking after people. However, after our daughter was born, she did not want a job that put her on the road so much and shifts in the evening. So she applied to be a cleaner at the military base near our community. Two things about our situation that are noteworthy. One is that my wife is a visible minority. And second, as a healthcare worker, she logs everything as a force of habit. The company that hired her was a national company. The base office usually had five employees. One had recently quit because her husband was moving with his military job to another part of the country, so the local boss hired my wife to replace her. The four other workers were tight. Louise was the boss, who hired her best friend Donna, Donna's brother Dan, and Louise's niece Tracy. My wife was a true outsider. She immediately saw things were not quite on the level. Even though my wife was paid from 4pm to midnight, she was home by 8pm every night. She was also excluded from cleaning the buildings that housed the engineering and tenancy offices. Occasionally, when she would clean those offices, she saw her colleagues rifling through desks and filing cabinets photocopying documents and other shady stuff. My wife also saw Louise threaten a soldier with extra duties for not opening doors fast enough. Louise's husband was a senior NCO in the unit, but jobs were hard to find at the time, so my wife was willing to accept a little discomfort to her ethics. However, after a few months, the racial epithets started. It started with a nickname, then morphed into slurs and then rumors about her. They started telling racial jokes without trying to hide it, When my wife complains to the four of them that she was uncomfortable, she got called a week and they threatened her employment. My wife told her that she would go to the head office, so she called head office from work. Stuart, from HR, dressed down my wife over women's talk and she needed to thicken her skin and not be too sensitive. My wife countered that she would go to the authorities. Stuart said, well, no laws have been broken, so she should go to the authorities. Good luck. Later that shift, she was fired for attitude. So my wife went to the authorities, just not the police. She went to the Human Rights Commission and to the military base headquarters. She gave both photocopies of her logs. The human rights investigation determined that there was a work environment that tolerated racist behaviors. That garnered an apology and an acknowledgement from Stewart with a smug comment that they will henceforth include a clause about racial sensitivity in their employee paperwork. He even made a comment to my wife that essentially this was nothing. However, behind the scenes, the base had been doing their own investigation. Some of the people whose desks had been rifled in the tenancy buildings had reported that they suspected they had been snooped through. The dates of some of their reports matched my wife's logs on the dates that she was there. Louise threatening a soldier was followed up, and it was discovered that Louise's husband had chastised the soldier and arranged for him to do two weeks worth of extra duties, a violation of an abuse authority statute. The contract with the base required 40 hours of service per day. The base pulled the security and key logs, showing that work was always done by 8pm. The base was paying for 40 hours per day and getting 20 hours service. There was a clause in the cleaning contract that stated that federal government human rights regulations needed to be followed. The results of the commission's investigation determined that they were in violation. Other bases were contacted to see what was going on with this company and they found out others were having similar issues. As a result, the base broke the contract with cause. It was a five-year contract broken after the second year. Louise, Donna, Dan, and Tracy were suddenly out of work. The next cleaning company came in. All personnel had to undergo vetting for security, all cleaning was done during the day, preventing people from rifling desks, 40 hours was 40 hours, and cleaners were not authorized to engage soldiers beyond casual how-are-you conversations, and my wife went back to healthcare. However, every once in a while, she wonders what Stuart thinks of women's talk now. Are we just forgetting, like, the espionage going on here? What happened with espionage? They are literally continuously rifling through secret documents in these bases. Is there not a department in the army that's just like, all right, um, gonna have to see what's going on there, might have to send them to jail for life for that one? I am thoroughly confused, but damn, what a story. What revenge that was. There are two important background things to know for the story. One, I was diagnosed with a rare ovarian cancer at the beginning of this year. I had surgery and some chemo and am mostly recovered now. I still have to go in for frequent testing and occasional monitoring. I am a private person to the extent that I have dated people for years without telling my parents, so you best believe random co-workers and bosses are unaware of my medical history. Two, I attend a university that has an ambassador program. Basically, if you have a high enough GPA, you are able to interview for the program, and if you get in, they pay you for your tuition during the time that you're an ambassador. In exchange, you work five hours a week and work graduation slash other events. I am one of these ambassadors. This is my story. Dun dun. My supervisor for the ambassador program, Miss M, has spent the majority of our time together belittling me. As I sit here about to type about her, I find myself already exasperated, thinking about reliving some of the details. So I will be short and sweet for both your sake and mine. She follows every rule to the letter and leaves no room for collaboration or discussion. As an example, we use Microsoft Teams for communication and she has us clock in and out in a group of 20 people by saying I'm here and I'm leaving. So every day you have to scroll through dozens of messages to find anything of importance and listen to notification sounds every time someone so much as takes a lunch break. I suggested using the time clock function on Teams and even offered to set it up for us and was told that I was deliberately undermining her position. Another quick example is her vehemence when I told her that I didn't have any social media to advertise the college. She was certain I was lying, and went so far as to ask the other ambassadors to try and find me. They didn't. There is nothing to find. Crazy concept. I have challenged her at a couple of junctures, but ultimately realized I was fighting a losing battle and I would be better off keeping my head down. Laughs Laughs in dramatic irony. Fast forward to four days ago, Friday, there is a mandatory virtual event in three days where the dean of the college would talk to the ambassadors as well as live stream the event to the college's website and YouTube page. Miss M sent out a message that I will copy and paste here because the formatting is so dramatic that it makes me chuckle. Students must have their cameras on and phones off. Repeat, phones off, cameras on. Like, come on, lady. Bold, caps, or italics. Your email almost gave me a stroke. I follow up the same day. Miss M, unfortunately, I will be at a doctor's appointment at this time and will be unable to turn my camera on during the event. No response. I send another email to follow up. No response. The day of the event rolls around. I direct message her through Microsoft Teams 10 minutes before. I see that she has seen the message with a red receipt. Nothing. Okay. Video chat starts and several students join the session with their cameras on. Then the dean. He gets halfway through introducing himself and Miss M interrupts him as he takes a brief pause and says, excuse me, could we please have all of the students turn their cameras on? I say nothing but put a quick message that I'd already typed in anticipation in the group chat. Miss S, I have a private situation that bars me from turning on my camera. I have contacted you individually. Not but a few seconds after I sent it, I get called out by name, and I respond audibly, Miss S, I cannot turn on my camera at this time. And she responds, Expectations were clear, and you were told multiple times about this. Every other student here managed to do it, and I expect the same out of you. Now, one of the cool things about having cancer is you become very familiar with the hospital staff. And if you are lucky, they are fun to talk to. During COVID, my nurses were my tethers to sanity because no one could visit me while I had inpatient infusions. So I told one of my nurses, Amy, about this situation beforehand. She joked that if I was told to turn my camera on, I should really play up my illness. In any other situation, I would have been entirely opposed. But sweet revenge was in sight. When I replay it to my head, I imagine that anime fist-clenching thing when the protagonist resolves to get revenge. I set my laptop back a bit further from myself on my legs so you could see the entirety of me and my hospital regalia. Teams will display the person currently talking as the largest image in chat. Everyone had their audio off except me, the Dean, and Miss M. So when I turned my camera on, I was displayed as the EKG loudly thrummed away on max volume, thanks to Amy. Silence. And I say, I asked Miss S through email and Teams if I could opt out of having my camera on, but she insisted. I waited a beat to see if anyone would say anything and then continued with my special vocal blend of melodramatic gratitude and illness-laden shakiness. Virtual engagement is so important for this new era of learning. I can see why having the camera on is important though I was hoping I might be granted an exception. Nadine says, Miss R, you are more than welcome to turn your camera off. I am so sorry for the misunderstanding. And I reply, thank you so much for making a special exception for me. It's been a difficult week, but I feel grateful to be here. Then two people leave the call. One was Miss M and the other was Anthony, who is Miss M's boss. I didn't know that he would be there. Haven't heard from either of them yet, but I'm awaiting a follow-up with anticipation. I'm typing this from the hospital and feeling gratitude for a lot of things. Tis the season after all. I am here. I am alive. And above all, this stupid disease won't stop me from putting a bully in their goddamned place. And all I can say to that is, screw you, cancer, but thank you for delivering the goods in this situation, OP. I'm more so just surprised that uh, when those two left the chat, they didn't say, I'm leaving. Talk about following the rules to a T. Come on, you two, you're better than that. Anyway, guys, that's where I'm going to leave the episode for today. I really do hope you enjoyed. Again, I wish OP all the best uh, with their treatment at the end of that one. That does not sound like a fun time, but I digress. I hope you guys enjoyed the story today, and I'll be back tomorrow with some more. Have a good one. Bye.